Chapter Five of the Mysteries of Paris, Volume Two. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Mysteries of Paris by Eugène Sue. Chapter Five, The Rectory House. The last rays of the sun were gradually disappearing behind the vast pile of the Chateau des Coins and the woods which surrounded it. On all sides, until the sight lost them in the distance, were vast tracts of land lying in brown furrows hardened by the frost an extensive desert of which the hamlet of bouqueval appeared to be the oasis the sky which was serenely glorious was tinted by the sunset and glowed with long lines of empurpled light the certain token of wind and cold these tints which were at first of a deep red became violet then a bluish black as the twilight grew more and more dark on the atmosphere the crescent of the moon was as delicately and clearly defined as a silver ring and began to shine beautifully in the midst of the blue and dim sky where many stars already had appeared the silence was profound the hour most solemn the curate stopped for a moment on the summit of the acclivity to enjoy the calm of this delicious evening after some minutes reflection he extended his trembling hand towards the depths of the horizon half veiled by the shadows of the evening and said to fleur de marie who was walking pensively beside him look my child at the vastness and extent to which we have no visible limit we hear not the slightest sound say does not this silence give us an idea of infinity and of eternity i say this to you marie because you are peculiarly sensitive of the beauties of creation i have often been struck at the admiration alike poetical and religious with which they inspire you you a poor prisoner so long deprived of them are you not as i am struck with the solemn tranquillity of the hour the goualeuse made no reply the cure regarding her with astonishment found she was weeping what ails you my child my father i am unhappy unhappy you still unhappy i know it is ingratitude to complain of my lot after all that has been and is done for me and yet and yet father i pray of you to forgive my sorrows their expression may offend my benefactors listen marie we have often asked you the cause of these sorrows with which you are depressed and which excite in your second mother the most serious uneasiness you have avoided all reply and we have respected your secret whilst we have been afflicted at not being able to solace your sorrows alas good father i dare not tell you what is passing in my mind i have been moved as you have been at the sight of this calm and saddening evening my heart is sorely afflicted and i have wept but what ails you marie you know how we love you come tell me all you should for i must tell you that the time is very close at hand when madame georges and monsieur rodolphe will present you at the baptismal font and take upon themselves the engagement before god to protect you all the days of your life monsieur rodolphe he who has saved me cried fleur de marie clasping her hands he will deign to give me this new proof of affection oh indeed my father i can no longer conceal from you anything lest i should indeed deserve to be called and thought an ingrate an ingrate how that you may understand me i must begin and tell you of my first day at the farm then let us talk as we walk on you will be indulgent to me my father 
what i shall say may perhaps be wrong the lord has shown his mercy on to you be of good heart when said fleur de marie after a moment's reflection i knew that on arriving here i should not again leave the farm and madame georges i believed it was all a dream at first i felt giddy with my happiness and thought every moment of m rodolph very often when i was alone and in spite of myself i raised my eyes to heaven as if to seek him there and thank him afterwards and i was wrong father i thought more of him than god attributing to him what god alone could do i was happy as happy as a creature who had suddenly and entirely escaped from a great danger you and madame georges were so kind to me that i thought i deserved pity rather than blame the cure looked at the goualeuse with an air of surprise she continued gradually i became used to my sweet course of life i no longer felt fear when i awoke or finding myself at the ogress's i seemed to sleep in full security and all my delight was to assist madame georges in her work and to apply myself to the lesson you gave me my father as well as to profit by your advice and exhortation except some moments of shame when i reflected on the past i thought myself equal to all the world because all the world was so kind to me when one day her sobs cut short poor fleur-de-marie's narration come come my poor child calm yourself courage courage the goualeuse wiped her eyes and resumed you recollect father during the fate of the toussaint that madame dubreuil who superintends the duc de lucenay's farm at arnouville came with her daughter to pass some time with us i do and i was delighted to see you form an acquaintance with clara dubreuil who is a very excellent girl she is an angel an angel father when i knew that she was coming to stay for some days at the farm my delight was so great that i could think of nothing else but the moment when she should arrive at length she came i was in my room which she was to share with me and whilst i was putting it into nice order i was sent for i went into the saloon my heart beating excessively when madame georges presenting me to the pretty young lady whose looks were so kind and good said marie here is a friend for you i hope added madame dubreuil that you and my daughter will soon be like two sisters and hardly had her mother uttered these words then mademoiselle clara came and embraced me then father continued fleur-de-marie weeping i do not know what came over me but when i felt the fresh and fair face of clara pressed against my cheek of shame that cheek became scorching with guilt remorse i remembered who and what i was i-i-to receive the caresses of a good and virtuous girl why my child ah oh, my father cried fleur-de-marie interrupting the cure with painful emotion when m rodolphe took me away from the cité i began vaguely to be conscious of the depth of my degradation but do you think that education advice the examples i receive from madame georges and yourself have not whilst they have enlightened my mind made me alas to comprehend but too clearly that i have been more culpable than unfortunate before clara's arrival when these thoughts grew upon me i drove them away by seeking to please madame georges and you father if i blushed for the past it was only in my own presence but the sight of this young lady of my own age so charming so virtuous has conjured up the recollection of the distance that exists between us and for the first time 
i have felt that there are wrongs which nothing can efface from that time the thought has haunted me perpetually and in spite of myself i recur to it from that day i have not had one moment's repose the goualeuse again wiped her eyes that swam in tears after having looked at her for some moments with a gaze of the tenderest pity the cure replied reflect my child that if madame georges desired to see you the friend of mademoiselle dubreuil it was that she felt you were worthy of such a confidence from your good conduct your reproaches addressed to yourself seem almost to impugn your second mother i feel that father and was wrong no doubt but i could not subdue my shame and fear when clara was once settled at the farm i was as sad as i had before i thought i should be happy when i reflected on the pleasure of having a companion of my own age she on the contrary was all joy and lightness she had a bed in my apartment and the first evening before she went to bed she kissed me saying that she loved me already and felt every kind sentiment towards me she made me call her clara and she would call me marie then she said her prayers telling me that she would join my name with hers in her prayers if i could also unite her name with mine i did not dare to refuse and after talking for some time she went to sleep i had not got into my bed and approaching her bedside i contemplated her angel face with tears in my eyes and then reflecting that she was sleeping in the same chamber with me with one who had been at the ogresses mixed up with robbers and murderers i trembled as if i had committed some crime and a thousand nameless fears beset me i thought that god one day would punish me i went to sleep and had horrid dreams i saw again those frightful objects i had nearly forgotten the chourineur the schoolmaster the chouette that horrible one-eyed woman who had tortured my earliest infancy oh what a night mon dieu what a night what dreams said the goualeuse shuddering at their very recollection poor marie said the cure with emotion why did you not earlier tell me all this i should have found comfort for you but go on i slept so late that mademoiselle clara awoke me by kissing me to overcome what she called my coldness and show her regard she told me a secret that she was going to be married when she was eighteen to the son of a farmer at goussainville whom she loved very dearly and the union had long been agreed upon by the two families then she added a few words of her past life so simple calm and happy she had never quitted her mother and never intended to do so for her husband was to take part in the management of the farm with m dubreuil now marie she said you know me as well as if you were my sister so tell me all about your early days i thought when i heard the words that i should have died of them i blushed and stammered i did not know what madame georges had said of me and i was fearful of telling a falsehood i answered vaguely that i had been an orphan educated by a very rigid person and that i had not been happy in my infancy and that my happiness was dated from the moment when i had come to live with madame georges then clara as much by interest as curiosity asked me where i had been educated in the city or the country my father's name and above all if i remembered anything of my mother all these questions embarrassed me as much as they pained me for i was obliged to reply with falsehood and you have taught me father how wicked it is to lie but clara did not think i was deceiving her 
she attributed the hesitation of my answers to the pain which my early sorrows renewed she believed me and pitied me with a sincerity that cut me to the soul oh father you never can know what i suffered in this conversation and how much it cost me only to reply in language of falsehood and hypocrisy unfortunate girl the anger of heaven will weigh heavily on those who by casting you into the vile road of perdition have compelled you to undergo all your life the sad consequences of a first fault oh yes they were indeed cruel father replied fleur-de-marie bitterly for my shame is ineffaceable as clara talked to me of the happiness that awaited her her marriage her peaceful joys of home i could not help comparing my lot with hers for in spite of the kindness showered upon me my fate must always be miserable you and madame georges in teaching me what virtue is have taught me the depth of that abasement into which i had fallen nothing can take me from the brand of having been the refuse of all that is vilest in the world alas if the knowledge of good and evil was to be so sad to me why not have abandoned me to my unhappy fate oh marie marie father i speak ill do i not alas i dare not confess it but i am at times so ungrateful as to repine at the benefits heaped upon me and say to myself if i had not been snatched from infamy why wretchedness misery blows would soon have ended my life and at least i should have remained in ignorance of that purity which i must for ever regret alas marie that is indeed fatal a nature ever so nobly endowed by the creator though plunged but for one day in the foul mire from which you have been extricated will preserve for ever the ineffaceable stigma yes yes my father cried fleur-de-marie full of grief i must despair until i die you must despair of ever tearing out this frightful page from the book of your existence said the priest in a sad and serious voice but you must have faith in the infinite mercy of the almighty here on earth my poor child there are for you tears remorse expiation but one day there up there and he raised his hand to the sky now filling with stars there is pardon and everlasting happiness pity pity mon dieu i am so young and my life may still endure so long said the goualeuse in a voice rent by agony and falling at the cure's knees almost involuntarily the priest was standing at the top of the hill not far from where his modest mansion rose his black cassock his venerable countenance shaded by long white locks lighted by the last ray of twilight stood out from the horizon which was of a deep transparency a perfect clearness pale gold in the west sapphire over his head the priest again elevated towards heaven one of his tremulous hands and gave the other to fleur-de-marie who bedewed it with her tears the hood of her grey cloak fell at this moment from her shoulders displaying the perfect outline of her lovely profile her charming features full of suffering and suffused with tears this simple and sublime scene offered a strange contrast a singular coincidence with the horrid one which almost at the same moment was passing in the ravine between the schoolmaster and the chouette concealed in the darkness of the sombre cleft assailed by base fears a fearful murderer carrying on his person the punishment of his crimes was also on his knees but in the presence of an accessory a sneering revengeful fury who tormented him mercilessly and urged him on to fresh crimes that accomplice 
the first cause of fleur de marie's misery a fleur de marie whose days and nights were embittered by never dying remorse whose anguish hardly endurable was not conceivable surrounded from her earliest days by degraded cruel infamous outcasts of society leaving the walls of a prison for the den of the ogress even a more horrid prison never leaving the precincts of her jail or the squalid streets of the cite this unhappy young creature had hitherto lived in utter ignorance of the beautiful and the good as strange to noble and religious sentiments as to the magnificent splendour of nature then all that was admirable in the creature and in the creator was revealed in a moment to her astonished soul at this striking spectacle her mind expanded her intelligence unfolded itself her noble instincts were awakened and because her mind expanded because her intelligence was unfolded because her noble instincts were awakened yet the very consciousness of her early degradation brings with it the feeling of horror for her past life alike torturing and enduring she feels as she had described that alas there are stains which nothing can remove an unhappiness for me said the goualeuse in despair my whole life has longed to run it may be were it as long as pure as your own father it must henceforth be blighted by the knowledge and consciousness of the past unhappiness for me for ever on the contrary marie it is happiness for you yes happiness for you your remorse so full of bitterness but so purifying testifies the religious susceptibility of your mind how many there are who less nobly sensitive than you would in your place have soon forgotten the fact and only revelled in the delight of the present believe me every pang that you now endure will tell in your favour when on high god has left you for a moment in an unrighteous path to reserve for you the glory of repentance and the everlasting reward reserved for expiation has he not said himself those who fight the good fight and come to me with a smile on their lips they are my chosen but they who wounded in the struggle come to me fainting and dying they are the chosen amongst my chosen courage then my child support help counsel nothing will fail you i am very aged but madame georges and m rodolphe have still many years before them particularly m rodolphe who has taken so deep an interest in you who watches your progress with so much anxiety the goualeuse was about to reply when she was interrupted by the peasant girl whom we have already mentioned who having followed in the steps of the cure and marie now came up to them she was one of the peasants of the farm beg your pardon monsieur le cure she said to the priest but madame georges told me to bring this basket of fruit to the rectory and then i could accompany mademoiselle marie back again for it is getting late so i have brought turk with me added the dairymaid patting an enormous dog of the pyrenees which would have mastered a bear in a struggle although we never have any bad people about us here in the country it is as well to be careful you are quite right claudine here we are now at the rectory pray thank madame georges for me then addressing the goualeuse in a low tone the cure said to her in a grave voice i must go to-morrow to the conference of the diocese but i shall return at five o'clock if you like my child i will wait for you at the rectory i see your state of mind and that you require a lengthened conversation with me i thank you father replied fleur de marie 
to-morrow i will come since you are so good as to allow me to do so here we are at the garden gate said the priest leave your basket there claudine my housekeeper will take it return quickly to the farm with marie for it is almost night and the cold is increasing to-morrow marie at five o'clock to-morrow father the abbe went into his garden the goualeuse and claudine followed by turk took the road to the farm End of chapter five read by celine major